podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back, guys. It's Monday night and we are finally, I'm in Milan, I'm settled, I'm back (laughs) in my normal life and we are ready to kick off the Monday night Euro review show once again. And I'm joined by my good friends, Adam and Andy. How are we doing, boys? Yeah, good? good. Thank you. Good to have you here. How was your weekend? I'm going to start with Adam. How was your weekend? How did Wickham get on? I actually, yeah, you know, I'll be yeah, we we drew uh, one all in the end. Um, a very kind of, I suppose, one of those games where you kind of expected the worst after one of our players got sent off after ten minutes. Ooh. So you're thinking, Ooh. yeah, it's going to be a hard kind of result to get anything out of it. But yeah, we did really well considering the circumstances. So we took the leads. I think it was forty second minute. So weren't expecting it, but our great player Anis Mamesi, as we call him, um, <laughs> just dribbling for fun and scoring. He's definitely going to be in the championship at some point. But yeah, no. Apart from that, though, mate, really good weekend. Uh, chilled out one as was looking after our neighbour's dog, who have been away, but they've collected it, so it should be a silent house now. So um, a bit calmer in the to, house now. Looking yeah. forward to a podcast talking about the weekend's results beautiful and andy apart from the football we're gonna get there how was your weekend uh what did you get up to um i just did not very much really played an awful lot of football manager um, good work good that was work. very that was successful as i was saying offline uh but just yeah just chilled really so I'm, I'm i'm quite happy yeah it was definitely a contrasting weekend well ultimately for me all of my teams lost so crew lost <laughs> Uh, we were one nil up and then lost two one at home to Stevenage and their manager Steve Evans. Seeing that guy happy is never ever a good thing. Um, then of course Arsenal yeah. lost, of course, and Inter lost, <laughs> and then Roma got done four nil. I was like, yeah, it's definitely definitely not my weekend, mm. but it was still good. Um, I got to meet up with Tommy and a couple of mates here to go and see the Milan derby. I think the derby very much takes a kind of sideshow, if you know what I mean, to just hanging out. And once the game was done, mm. I think I got home at four o'clock in the morning um <laughs> it got into it turned into quite a big one so today was a bit of a ropey morning to say the least or a ropey oh, the day school um, as well that's dodgy to mm, that it was it was a big one all i remember i vaguely remember walking home and the missus was like you came in and you were singing um with the music in your headphones i was like i i apologize, I apologize. <laughs> i'm so sorry i'm so sorry uh but i should also say hello to our viewers guys it's great to have you back as always comment chuck your questions in the box and we will try and impart our wisdom onto you um and we'll try and get you involved in the show but to start with we're gonna have to go to the premier league and we're gonna try and be super quick about it because i don't want to talk about it that much but we need to talk about Manchester United 3, Arsenal 1. Now, we're going to have both perspectives here. Um, Andy, let's go. What did you think of the game? And then, Adam, I'll get your neutral look at it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a really good game of football, actually. I think, um, you know, the United-Arsenal games aren't what they used to be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we all remember the key of the era days. That was probably, you know, the peak of that kind of rivalry. But I feel um, it's been the first time in a long time where both teams, you know, are currently playing well. They're building mm-hmm. towards something and they both have a bit of purpose. Um, I feel like, you know, it's quite nice for both teams to come into the game in a decent run the form obviously mm-hmm. Arsenal won their first five United have got three and the bounce to clearly beat Liverpool um 
and the game kind of went sort of how I expected it to, really. Mm-hmm. You know, we you look at Arsenal, you know they're good in possession. They've got lots of really neat and tidy technical players. You know, people like, you know, Odegaard uh, embodies that kind of yeah, um, yeah, yeah. what Arteta's trying to build in midfield. So, yeah, and obviously with um, the first half, I felt like Jesus, you know, really gave the back four a bit of a hard mm-hmm. time. Like they were, you know, struggling to cope. Saka was getting a bit of a joy on the left-hand side. So I was a little bit worried, uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the... I think uh, with United, we put together some really, really good counter-attacks. You know, I think having, um, obviously, it was a good decision to start Anthony, um, given Alanga had started the previous Mm -hmm. couple of games. Nothing against Anthony Alanga, but clearly Anthony is a level above in the position that we needed that kind of player. Um, And we've not really had somebody who, you know, sort of cuts in from the right and gives that kind of presence. I mean, there was a little bit where he looked like he got himself into a cul-de-sac did a little flick straight out on Stello, and that's little things like that. I'm looking forward to seeing a bit more often. So yeah, I was really impressed with Anthony. I thought he was, you that he knows how Ten Hag wants to play and he just played that way Um, and he was he caused us all sorts of problems I was like god this guy is going to like absolutely kill defences I think Ramsdale genuinely thought he was right footed for that first goal (laughs) didn't know he was left footed he kind of went the wrong way it wasn't great goalkeeping but it was a great finish Um, Adam how did you see it and then I'm going to give my kind of quick view on it yeah, I found it kind of very contrasting in terms of stars and maybe I was surprised at Ten Hag's approach with Man United. Certainly for the first 10 minutes, you saw mm-hmm. the intent from Man United getting into Arsenal's faces, especially into that half. And I found that quite intriguing. They seem to be playing a lot of the ball through the middle, which was yeah. kind of a surprise for me as well. Um on the flip side, you saw obviously Arsenal were trying to go down the left-hand side, so Delat's right-hand side. So they were clearly targeting him, Martinelli, every time on his pace. He was just having Delat every time. Yeah, yeah. But that said, obviously, I think it seemed to be certain moments against the run of play that really dictated the match, how it went about. In particular, obviously, we're talking about the first goal that was disallowed. Yeah. That obviously then changed how maybe Man United approached it. I thought Ericsson had a superb match. I thought yeah, he yeah, he was see the role he's yeah, yeah. playing for Man United. And you could argue he's the bargain of the season with mm-hmm. the fact that he's a free transfer. But that said, I think it was a really solid performance by Man United. I think he surprised a lot of maybe people's perceptions of Man United and was really pleased for Rashford. I know yeah. it's no good for you, Rory, but I mean, his performance was really good. It's great to see the lad get a bit of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, for Arsenal's point of view as well, just quickly before I let you talk, yeah, yeah, um, no. I thought they were a bit disappointed. I thought they was expecting a bit more. I, I certainly was surprised to see Shinchenko actually turn up. I thought he was going to yeah, be out yeah. for another match. And uh, Lukonga, I thought he really did struggle in this match. It has to be said. So yeah, um, look, yeah get your thoughts. Yeah, no, Lukonga is a difficult one because he's not a defensive player. He isn't, mm. and he's being asked to perform a role that isn't the type of player he is. What he's good at, he did well. Like I think his passing was good. He was able to like kind of press resistant. He was able to keep control of the ball, keep the tempo. But he's not a defensive minded player. Ultimately, our lack of action on the on deadline day has meant that he's playing in a role that he's not familiar with. But I think we 
you said in the group chat while we were while we were watching mm. the game, just put Zinchenko in there and bring Tierney on yeah. and just have a bit more stability. Because I think when Arteta made that triple substitution as well, it just mm. didn't work. The only player that I thought came on and did well was Fabio Vieira, showed some real moments where I was like, okay, this guy, like he's got an eye for a pass, had a few shots. He made a mistake, but then he was the first one to go back and clean it up. Like mm. I think the triple substitution didn't work. With Rashford, I would I would much rather see Rashford score two against us than Ronaldo, for example. I, <laughs> I'm like I'm really happy to see Rashford obviously enjoying his football again. Rashford, when he's got space to run into, is terrifying. Like he's mm. just if he can get his head up again and get that form, not only United but England could have a great striker again. I really do like Rashford. You know just how lovely a bloke he is, and. Mm. He has now four goals and four assists against us, I think. Like, he always scores against us. Um, but, yeah, fantastic player. I thought we were... My reaction usually when we lose to United is, like, I'm angry. This game, I wasn't angry. I was just like, oh, okay, like, shit happens. I was like, we played well. On a different day, we win. We didn't win. Um, and I, I feel like watching Arsenal all these years against the big teams getting embarrassed in games... I just appreciate not getting embarrassed now and <laughs> just being mm. like, okay, we competed. We didn't quite get there, but next time we'll get there. And I think we played well enough to get something. The Erdegaard goal, it was a foul, but then throughout other points during the match, there were fouls exactly the same that weren't called. Mm. Now, what we're going to talk about is consistency in VAR. So that's only a foul if it leads to a goal. Because if it's in a, a run of play nine times out of ten, the ref just says play on, right? It's a soft foul. There was other instances in that mm. game where it wasn't called. And it's just like, I get it, it's a foul, but then call all of them, right? Because it mm. seems like it's only a foul once the ball goes into the back of the net. But that's my tiny rant. They were right to chalk it off. I just want consistency. And McTominay to get some kind of repercussion for... <laughs> the wrestler stroke footballer that he is. I don't know what it is he does, but he seems to get away with the first five tackles before he gets booked. Um, but I think we've done with anything to add, Andy, before we move on to United Arsenal. I mean, I was, I was, looking, I was just looking at some of the comments, to be fair. I think Monday Sportive, hello. What do Man United do with Maguire and Ronaldo? And yeah, you know what? I thought, I thought it was just me being a little bit um, overly anxious because Maguire came on and I was literally sat there to myself thinking no this ain't this ain't the best idea in the world mm. like just for the last 10 minutes you don't need to be changing things up in centre of defence mm. and I was quite and, happy I was well, quite happy, yeah. <laughs> but, you know a minute a minute after he came on he gave away a yellow card he could have feasibly given away a penalty you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think the only thing that saved um, that hate him in that case is that you know the other player had nowhere near control of the ball, yeah. So, so it's not like, yeah, it? yeah, it was a Ketty that I forgot, it was, yeah, it was a Ketty, he didn't have control of the ball, nor did Maguire, nor Fraser, it just went mm. out of play. So it's just like in the yeah. corner, we got two people resting for it, but either way, it just it just seemed a little bit clumsy and ungainly. And I know it kind of feels like a bit of a pile on, but and I do want it to get back to his form. But mm -hmm. if you go back to last season, United, uh, United under Solskjaer, where we started the season, had a back four of Wambasaka, Lindelof, Maguire and Luke Shaw. All yeah. of them have now been replaced yeah. in what I'd assume mm. is going to be the starting eleven. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. feel much, much more 
secure with that starting level. Even Dallow's improvement has been great to mm-hmm. see. Like he had a bit of a difficult start to this game, but he kept his head up. He got, you know, he started getting a little bit tighter. And over, as the game went on, started to come out quite well. Same yeah, with Mason. Yeah. I think, you know, Raphael Varane is an example. Like he probably, probably due to fitness, but he was probably criminally underused. Like yeah, last yeah. well, last, yeah. last season he hardly got a sniff, yeah. did he? And it was just it was just injuries, I think. But I was I was really impressed with Malassia, even though Saka gave him a hell of a time. Oh yeah, Saka did, really yeah. had a great game. But I was mm. impressed with Malassia, Malakia. I'm not sure. Yeah, and I think and Dallo, All I see is people slagging him off, and I'm like, every time I watch him, I'm like, this guy's pretty good. Last but... last season he was probably worth slagging off the offenders. He was absolutely woeful. Um, and I think just thinking of the other quote to Maguire uh, about. Obviously, with De Gea behind him, yeah, I think ultimately Ten Hag's not going to be able to play the football he wants and mm-hmm. dump De Gea in goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, due to I guess a self-induced situation where they've yeah. arguably let a better mm-hmm. goalkeeper go out on loan, and they've brought in Martin Dubravka on deadline day, whether he'll get game time or not, I don't know. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a simple answer to that one. But he's got one year left on his contract. He's on three hundred grand a week, so I think whether we like it or not. Um, he's going to be there. And I think there is gonna... th- there's an upgrade in the pipeline, though. That like I think De Gea by next summer you get a new goalkeeper. I think I'm pretty 100%. sure. And I think <laughs> what pretty yeah. Sure. And I think just a, like a last shout out to um, Christian Eriksen because Oof. he's a bit. It turns out he is what we thought Paul Pogba would be. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, he doesn't yeah. need a what you know. Fun, funnily enough, Christian Eriksen doesn't need a world class defensive midfielder to no. unlock him. He just drops deep. He knows where to take the ball. Yeah. Knows where to release it. He's a little bit more subtle than perhaps um, Fernandez is. Who's yeah, direct yeah, yeah. all the yeah. time all the time he gives a bit of subtlety to the play um and he's got well i know trick. for a fact that like sorry the inter fans are absolutely gutted he couldn't play in Serie A. like yeah. they are gutted yeah. he was he is still an incredible player and united have done great business getting him there like absolutely no doubt but i realize we're now 15 minutes in so that's it we're cutting off that's it we're going into <laughs> the next game um adam i'm gonna let you choose which game are we going to next let's go to chelsea Chelsea. Now, I am not a West Ham fan, right? And I was watching the highlights of this game and my head got hot at the end. My head got really hot. I was genuinely like starting to get wound up. And then to wind myself up even more, I went and watched Tuchel's post-match conference. This is a man who is complaining about the Kukurea thing two weeks ago, Mm. a week ago, about how VAR didn't go his way. And he watches that clip and says that it was definitely a foul, VAR of 100% got it right. Now, either <laughs> either you are completely honest with these things, or your complaints don't sound sincere, right? I can't take your complaints sincerely if you're going to just lie to everyone's face when it suits you. I was really, really disappointed with Tuchel in that post-match conference. I thought he was better than that. I honestly thought he was better than that. Um, just how bad was that decision? Adam, I'm going to go to you first. I could not believe it. Yeah, it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. And I think they're looking for something. It's a bit like the scenario we've got at Man United to an extent, but this was more obvious that they were trying to search for something just to chalk it off. And Mm -hmm. I think what the frustration is there is it was really innocuous. There was nothing that in that scenario, if that was lower league, that would have just been played on and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There would definitely be no issue with that. 
I feel really frustrated for West Ham fans because I was speaking to Tom, fan of the show yeah. as well, and he says it's not the first time that's happened to West Ham this season. So he's no. completely on this train where yeah. he's trying it right now. But there doesn't seem to be any recompensation for this decision because they've admitted since that there's potentially some errors. Mm -hmm. They're going to have an independent adjudicator look at this as well, as well as a number of VAR decisions this weekend. It was interesting. We saw the contrast in uh, Michael Oliver for the Nottingham Forest mm -hmm. one where he just stuck with his decision, which was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But looking at this instance, definitely shouldn't have been chalked off. And I well, feel sorry for West Ham because they genuinely had a good performance. I felt Chelsea were really yeah. poor on this match as well. But pass it to Andy, see what he thinks as well. Yeah, what, what did you think about it? I've got a few thoughts that I'm going to jump in after as well. What, what did you think of it? How are your feelings in general towards VAR after this weekend? I think with VAR, it's, um, I, don't have it, I don't really have an issue with VAR itself as a technology. My issue is with the people behind it, the mm. people using it, how they utilise it. Mm. Uh, I think it could be a lot more streamlined. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't be sat there waiting for five minutes to make a decision. Yeah. Like yeah. you, right? I think they should just put a timer on it. Like you've literally mm -hmm. got, you know, instead of this, someone have a look at it. Tell the referee to go to the screen. He spends another couple of minutes having yeah. a look at it. They should just be like, right, go it's to the screen. Obvious. Have a chat with it. Yeah. Yeah, if, you like could, if you can't change your mind in a minute, then just stick with the on-field decision. Yeah, like you don't yeah, have to spend hours over it because for the people in the stadium, you've got no clue what's going on. You've got yeah. you're just stood there like waiting for the referee to to show. Like you've yeah. got no clue. All do what all do what they do in rugby. I think that's the thing. It's like I think a lot of people feel there isn't any transparency, there mm -hmm. isn't any any accountability. So you you, you kind of look every single weekend. There's been mistakes being made left, right, and center, and they're still back on the field, sort yeah, of. Yeah next week and i think mm -hmm. you either need to do what we do in rugby where they have everyone mic'd up they mm -hmm. have a var mic'd up they have the referees mic'd up and everyone can see kind of uh what's going on why the decisions being made a thought process behind it and yeah you could be like cool um you know and, it, it and i think that would you know either confirm or perhaps um show that you know maybe referees aren't just corrupt they just need a bit more help but yeah, I think with the um, West Ham one, uh, Mendy's a lucky, lucky boy. I mean, to be he's honest, he's a cheap he, man. He's, <laughs> he's a cheap he, 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 I remember, I remember, I remember De Gea doing that a couple of. I think it was last season, season against before. Arsenal. Yeah, he just stayed on the floor, and, and we poking. scored, and we're like, "Get up, man!" <laughs> yeah, yeah but like, the referee, yeah. the referee went whatever, yeah. and just carried on. Yeah. Uh, whereas in this case, like he knew he messed up. He came yeah, to the ball, yeah, yeah. he didn't get it, um, and he just stayed on the floor hoping he'd get something, he, mm. and he did. He did. Um, well, it's got, it's got to the point now where fans celebrate the referee going over to the screen because you know they're going to go with the VAR, and you know they're going to reverse Try and influence it, yeah. yeah. So, so, like, so I think it was the Brentford-Leeds game, maybe there was one of the goals that was, like, yeah, all was, goals are yeah. VAR-checked now, but one of the goals was VAR-checked. And literally, the second the ref went over to the screen, they were like, yeah, because they knew the ref was just going to change his decision and go with what was on the screen. It's like, there's the refs don't even ref the game anymore. I feel like it's just completely being misused, as Andy said. Mm -hmm. And they are, and like you said earlier, Adam, they're looking for reasons to cancel goals like every goal they're like right should that be disallowed whereas it should be like 
you shouldn't be looking for those faults. You're looking for obvious. That's what everybody said, yeah. right? Clear and Clear obvious. And obvious. That's not what's happening. It feels like every goal now, I'm sure it's the same when you guys watch it on TV, every goal now, you're like, don't celebrate too much because fuck knows what is going to get called off for, but something will get it called off. Even when um, Martinelli scored that first goal, I was like, wait, wait, they're going to fight. Oh, they found something. There we go. Good. Okay, everybody calm down. I mean, down. it wasn't like, that hard to find, to be honest, was it? <laughs> I don't think it was like an egregious tackle. It wasn't like flying in from the back. But yeah, I think like every goal now, their, their automatic instinct is like, can we remove this? Like trying to take the joy out of the game. It just, the whole thing is just not being managed well. And I think the apology now to West Ham fans and Villa with the score at City, with yeah. the um, decision at City, it just feels like a bigger insult to fans now. Like, oh yeah, sorry, mm. still no points. So what? <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's infuriating. I do feel for them as well, because you see it a lot on Twitter and I suspect a lot of, you know, the match going fans probably feel the same as that, uh, you know, the West Ham fans, Newcastle, they all see, they all feel that whenever they play against the top 16, they seem to get a lot of decisions go against them. And, mm. you know, a lot of them literally coming out straight up going, mm. it's, it's corruption. It's, you I know, think it's this, it's that. And, you know, they, I think they feel like they don't get the rub of the green and, mm. You know, therefore, like, um, they're not big fans of VAR in the first place. And but I think that's I think where like transparency smaller, comes in. Yeah, I feel like the smaller teams never did get the rub of the green, but now it's just even more obvious. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. The decisions are being analysed and scrutinised, and now it's just, it's more obvious to see. I feel like United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, we always got favourable decisions because we're the bigger teams, because why? But I think that's always happened. It's just now more obvious because you're spending 20 minutes looking at a decision. Plus, um, like, I, I go hmm. through this cycle every couple of years, right? Where we, we get, you know, we get to like a Euros or World Cup, you see value being used somewhat adequately, and you're like, oh, this is this is nice. Well, we've had a comment <laughs> from Mon Sportif. <laughs> doesn't seem to have the same it, amount of controversies yeah. as Premier League. I think it's the same with Germany as does. well. Like, uh, I think maybe we just really shit at using VAR. <laughs> I think I think PG Mall or Pugamol, however you say it, really do have a lot of things to look at. But just on this, Serie A does get controversies. They just don't get picked up because the refereeing standards are just as bad as the Premier <laughs> League's. So, yeah. Okay. It's just the fact that it's not really possible. There was many occasions, Rory, last season where certain decisions didn't go mm. certain ways. So I'm, I'm a bit like, yeah, I know the Premier League has a lot more scrutiny. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, equally, Serie A does get it wrong. I think the difference is, though, there's a lot more younger referees and they're given mm -hmm. a chance to educate. Whereas here, I don't feel that's probably the same. I feel like yeah, Andy yeah. said about repercussions, they don't get pulled up on it as much. So maybe that's the learning curve that we should be going through. I don't know if that's the right decision, but yeah, certainly there should be a lot more looks at. And again, like we've said, VAR. You slow it down, you can make it look like a foul. Whereas yeah, in yeah. real time, when it actually happens, that's when the referee is trying to make that decision. I appreciate mm -hmm. sometimes referees don't have eyes in the back of their head, so they can't see it from every angle. But that's maybe the way we should be looking. I mean, the Australia example is a really good one where they go, I don't know if you've got the right decision there, go back to VAR and have yeah, a look yeah, at yeah. it. I think maybe we should be learning from other places around the world to see how they're operating VAR. And that would make sense for the referees. But again, it's just that clarity. We are using VAR for every goal, it seems, and that ruins mm -hmm. the 
just general atmosphere in the stadiums. So yeah. it does. Yeah, you can't enjoy goals. You can't enjoy goals. You just can't enjoy goals as much anymore. But enough, <laughs> Basta. Enough, enough of our talk. I'm kind of sick of it. Um, I'm gonna. Andy, I'm going to give you a, a selection of games to pick from. We've got Brentford 5, Leeds 2, Brighton 5, Leicester 2, Forest 2, Bournemouth 3. Where are we going? I'm going to go with Brighton, Leicester. Ooh, let's do it. This will be a fun one. We're going to talk about oh, Brendy Rodgers. <laughs> right, Andy, oh. let's go. I mean, Leicester, I mean, we spoke about it in the previous pod, didn't we? Uh, we think Leicester City in a bit of trouble. Well, they are in extra, mm. extra trouble. We can right? confirm they are in trouble. They are in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not a rumour anymore. It is straight <laughs> up clear to see, like, where they're currently at a team. And they're not in a good place because, you know, the manager has obviously been complaining about um, everything. Everything basically, you know, he didn't get the players he wants. You know, board was this, the board was that. You know, he he obviously got a little bit, uh, he probably got caught up in the whole Wesley for father thing a bit too much. Um, it's it, it feels like a very unhappy camp because mm. you've got a manager that's not happy, he's not gonna be able to get the players in. He's got players that probably want to leave Leicester, but they're not no they're not being let go i mean Fafana had to effectively go on strike yeah, to force yeah, yeah. his move and i think there's been envious glances at the likes of james madison from newcastle and i think i'm pretty sure he's thinking yeah i could get a pretty decent payday <laughs> on that one you've got yuri tiedemans who seems to be yeah. um perennially linked with arsenal year in year out you know the likes of harvey barnes as well mm-hmm. um i mean the let the legendary keeper Casper Schmeichel go. That's a mad uh, decision. Yeah. That's such a mad decision. I mean, I can understand it to an extent that he's been there a decade. He wanted to try mm-hmm. something different. So they made that move happen for him because of the status he has yeah. at the club. I completely understand that. And to realize if I was a club owner, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? You've given us 10 years. Mm-hmm. Go on a free, go where you want and crack on. But you should, at the very, very least, go, right, I need a replacement. Yeah, you can't um, just go, right, second choice, third choice, we'll just do that. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a shame because Leicester, like, literally a year ago, you would have had them down as the embodiment of a well-run club. And, yeah. you know, they've, yeah, got, yeah, yeah. they've built up their facilities, they're, they're consistent, like, you know, top six or seven competing teams. So... For that point of view, done really well, but I think this season they've really made quite a few mistakes on and off the pitch. I mean, you had uh, Wilfred Indeedy playing centre back. Uh, he because... has a shocker of a game. But that's because oh, he's God. that's because he's not. He's a not. Yeah. Not, no, no, he's not a centre back. Because yeah, yeah, the centre back yeah, yeah. they do have, like Kaga Soyuncu, Johnny Evans. Wasn't um, it? Yeah, you know, Soyuncu appears. Who's to going have... as well? Soyuncu's off to yeah. Galatasaray, right? I didn't know he realised he's off to Galatasaray, but that explains why he isn't playing any yeah. football at the mm-hmm. moment. Uh, but he's not been the same since the uh, Euros, to be fair. No. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just seems like not a very happy camp when they're arguing with each other. No mm-hmm. one seems to want to take responsibility. Um, you know, obviously Vardy's been dropped to the bench and maybe he's having to come to the terms. He's not quite the same player yeah. he was because it's not, it, it's not been happening for him in front of goal. So it's kind of weird because I think Ian Acho and Daka have the makings of a decent strike force. I think force they do, there. yeah. They, they really mm-hmm. do have a chance of a decent like strike force there, but it's just not clicking. Adam, now I'm going to ask you about Brendan Rogers because yeah. it feels like he works in cycles, Brendan, and it does <laughs> tend to fall apart. And when it falls apart, it's a bit spectacular. Are we seeing, <clears throat> is, is he right to just complain about the squad and not being backed? Or is this partly him kind of running out of ideas and the squad kind of getting tired of him? What do you think? 
I think there's two elements to see or watch this scenario right now. So I was lucky enough to interview, obviously, Ryan Hubbard when we did mm-hmm. our Premier League predictor series. And he said last season, they definitely needed more players, but they were waiting for a number of players to come back from injury. So obviously that kind of has happened now. So yeah, yeah there is an element of they do need some backups. They need some better depth. But equally, like you say, Brendan Rodgers seems like he's lost ideas. Um, you commented about the game against Arsenal where they don't seem to be able to defend from corners. Yeah, Ryan Hubbard said they've been doing that for practically most of last season where they yeah, just yeah. every time he turned up at the stadium, they just didn't seem to like defend set pieces like they mm-hmm. used to. And I think that's probably an element of both sides where the coaching isn't there. Maybe he's trying to embed the same philosophies, but they're tired of it. There's nothing yeah. fresh. There's nothing different. And I wonder whether there's an element of they've just had enough. Um, mm-hmm. Equally, it does feel like a game of poker between the owners of Leicester City as well as Brendan Rodgers, whereby they're trying to see which one's going to kind of play that bluff hand and kind of let yeah. the other one go because it does feel yeah, like it feels like a standoff right to happen right now yeah it doesn't feel like the owners are going to sack rogers but something has to give and i reckon mm. this might play out until there's kind of a point where they're kind of in a relegation dogfight and maybe yeah, they yeah. need to change things and i was looking at the available managers and it I don't know who realistically they could bring in. I mean, the likes of Rafa Benitez is there, for example. I don't know if he's that good enough. But again, if you're bringing him for a relegation fight, Sean he's Dice. probably not too bad. Sean Dyche. Um, Sean, Sean Dyche. Dyche Warners, I, we've got to bring that in. But yeah, I'm going to come for a hot take, and it hit me today. I think Leicester go back to Celtic and steal their manager again and go for big anger because he is doing a hell of a job at Celtic. They play some great football. I could see him at Leicester and I could see him doing a hell of a job. So I think Leicester just go back and nick Celtic's manager again. I reckon he could do a great job. They took a risk. It's gone well. Take a risk. I reckon he'd do all right. I reckon he'd do all right. But with Brighton, I think Brighton fans get sick of everyone. Every time they beat someone, everyone goes, bloody hell, that team's a disaster. What's going on? (laughs) And nobody ever talks about Brighton. Brighton are pretty good. Wow. Like each time I watch them, a different player comes up. And I'm like, it just blown away. This game, it was obviously McAllister. Now, he's a player that I've seen a few times, and I've been impressed, but he absolutely ran the show against Leicester, yeah. dominated that midfield, and he should have had a hat-trick. Another VAR, ridiculous VAR decision to rule out that goal. I couldn't see it myself. Um, but never mind, he scores a free kick and a rocket anyway. Brighton just... Anybody, I've run out of superlatives to talk about them. Caicedo, Welbeck. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say is that depth of players. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think Ben Spalding, even on our Brighton edition, said he wasn't too sure if they had enough players. And I think that will tell. I mean, they did a very similar start last season, didn't they? They really started the campaign really well. But this time it feels like the gels a bit more. Mm. They're kind of fighting for each other. But also they're just so skillful. Trossard, I mean, he looks like a hell of a player right now. Yeah. And I've seen him a few times for Belgium and I'm kind of reminded he is playing for Brighton. Um, mm-hmm. The same for the likes of Gross as well. He'll be in a Germany squad at the at this rate anyway. Has he been sure. cats for Germany yet? Yeah, he's caps. He's got a few caps yeah. already. So, um, yeah, again, and, and then- do, do, the only thing I'd say is up front. I, I do feel yeah. Welbeck's yeah, yeah, a good yeah. player, but they need someone else. And obviously, I was surprised Malpe left. They didn't bring in re- replacements, yeah, yeah. but we'll see, you know. 
Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. Welbeck's going to get you like maybe eight to nine goals a season, right? Nothing more than that, really. Um, but the next other player for Brighton I'm going to shout out is, because when he's come on, I've been blown away by him, Kaoru Mitoma, the um, Japanese player. Oh, yeah. He yeah, looks yeah. like he's going to be an absolute handful when he starts coming into the games. He's properly skillful, just rinses people. I was like, there's another one. They've done it again. How do they keep doing this? So, Brighton, we are giving you your plaudits. It's well-deserved, yeah. definitely. Definitely, definitely. We're going to, I think it's time to move on to Serie A, but we do have to make an apology maybe to Bournemouth fans um, mm. because we went absolutely two-footed into them in the last episode. And what happened? They came from 2-0 down to beat Forest away and scored two beautiful goals. The it Solanke did, yeah. overhead kick was a bit mad and the billing <laughs> goal was a rocket. Um, and then Forest gifted them the last one. So, yeah, thoughts on Bournemouth quickly before we go, Andy? I mean, clearly, uh, Saki South Parker, <laughs> Scott Parker, rather, uh, was a good choice. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There we go. Is, you know, <laughs> well, when you got well, when you had a manager saying like you all shit, you get you get battered nine nil every week. <laughs> it's not going to do good for your morale. So, um, I think you know, reality is, I think they've um, probably maybe the season will tell. They still think they're struggling mm. to stay up, but they are keeping their heads above water at the moment. Um, so and they like, are. Oh, they are only one point behind Fulham, who are having an incredible season, right? It's, it's, yeah, it shows um, how narrative works, doesn't it? Yeah. But ultimately, yeah. you know, they've played some really difficult teams. I mean, their opening set of games was, you know, Arsenal, Liverpool, and Man City. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not being funny, but most promoted teams are not going to expect particularly <laughs> much out of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So. Yeah. You know, I think they've done all right. Obviously, the next sort of 10 games or so, they've got teams that are going to be in and around the mid-table. So I think that's where they'll probably expect mm. to pick up mm. some points. Um, and again, I, I stand by that the um, the World Cup is effectively going to act as a sacking yeah. window. I think you'll yeah, get to the yeah, World yeah. Cup and you're going to see five or six managers get binned off because you get that whole month to work yeah. with your squad yeah. or with most of your squad. Yeah, yeah you, you're yeah, going to get yeah, literally get yeah. a month or two to basically yeah. embed in, which you're not going to yeah. get in a normal season. So, no, that's a very, um, very, very good I, show. Yeah, I genuinely could see about four or five just going bang, bang, bang off you, you know, yeah. off your fuck. <laughs> well, we we shall see. We shall see. I think it's time to go to Serie yeah. I think it's time to go to Serie yeah. Are we ready? to discuss Italy. We can only start in one place this weekend. Of course. It was a hell of an advertisement for Serie A. What a game. Like, genuinely, an absolute yeah. spectacle. Couldn't take my eyes off it. It was, of course, Milan 3 into 2. And, of course, Olivier Giroud bloody scored. I know he didn't get the headlines. <laughs> but we were talking about him. He's always there. It was a beautiful finish. Um, Adam, I'm going to start with you. What were your first impressions of this game? Who stood out to you the most? I think obviously the winners, you've got to talk about Milan and the fact mm-hmm. that he's purely managed to outwit Inzaghi. And again, yeah. it felt like the repeat of the Lazio performance where Milan just didn't know, or into Milan, should I say, didn't know what to do in this circumstance. Um, yeah, AC Milan, despite the fact that it went a goal behind after that, they seemed to dominate. Rafael Leal was on fire. He looks incredible. But even in the middle of the park, Tonali seemed to control much of the play as well. And, you know, even though it came to 3-2, you have to say Mike Magnan, again, incredible stop. Some of the like saves he pulled off against Chonalogu as well. I mean, just incredible. But 
Inzaghi, a lot of question marks. I did see mm -hmm. the next day that a lot of the uh, hierarchy at Inter Milan were disappointed by that performance. And Career doesn't turn up again. Um, no. He was preferred over I Dzeko. I him, definitely. And, yeah, that's it. Dzeko was on fire when he came on. Yeah. He literally looked like a man content. He was trying to get or re rescue a point, at least for Inter. But Inter... Mm. They're just a shadow of their normal selves at the yeah, back. Yeah. I mean, there's so many like lapses of concentration or just mistakes. Um, De Vry was terrible. Bastoni, I don't think he's fit. The same can mm -hmm. be said about Milan Skirinja. And yeah, yeah. yeah it's and just that's, that's the back three right there. That's all that's of it. them, right? And I they're pretty like... much in midfield as well <laughs> because that's the kind of tactics they play. You might as well call yeah. them midfielders. So, it's... yeah. On, it was it was difficult to watch. <laughs> like Liao yeah. was having a hell of a time, and for that third goal, which is obviously breathtaking goal, like the dribbling is unbelievable, the finish is incredible. But both inter centre backs kind of take a jump on their heels and just put themselves in mm. the worst position, and he just goes past them. And I think defensively, Inter were all over the place. Yeah. I just want to go one game, one Inter game where I don't have to say Handanovic is the difference. Yeah. And I think in this game, and I was like, right, as the game was going on, I was like, right, the narrative, I cannot just say Handanovic needs to be dropped again. I say it every week. And then mm. he has weak wrists for every single finish. And okay, you could say they're good finishes, but the yeah. first one especially, he should get a stronger hand to. Yeah. But um, I think, I think with the, looking at the first goal, though, I think the defender should have come out a bit wider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they were both they were too narrow. So you give the hour basically a free shot and free shot and goal, and all right, the keeper was a little bit weak, and I think I've you know I've seen a few Handanovic low lights. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I can yeah. understand that, but uh, yeah, at the same time, you, you'd expect your centre back to maybe do your bit, put and a bit is, more pressure yeah. on him. Um, this, I, I think the defenders feed off him as he feeds off the defenders. Right, it is a unit, but I think in mm. these games it stands out more because Milan, I think, have got like the future of goalkeeping. They've got this really innovative, incredible goalkeeper who seems to be like, not only does he save everything, but there was a, a moment where Milan had an attacking free kick and Mainian ran onto the, he ran up the pitch and was directing their players of where to make the wall. And that's the first time I've ever seen that. A goalkeeper getting involved in attacking free, free kicks, being like, if you stand there, the goalkeeper can't see the ball. Like, and he feels mm. like this new energy in goal and possibly could go on to be the best goalkeeper in the world. I genuinely think yeah. so. Like, and it just makes Handanovic look even worse. And it's just bad for him. It's, it's terrible for yeah. him. He's been at the club for 10 I years. See, I can see Manu being in the Premier League at some point. Yes. He, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's an unbelievable goalkeeper. And the 10 minutes after Dzeko scored that goal, 3-2, it was Manyan that kept Milan in the game. Yeah. He made two or three saves where I was like, and that is the difference. I'm sorry, Samir, but I need to talk about you again. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is making you look terrible. Like... But for Inter, you're right. They were massively disappointing. Massively disappointing. I think yeah. the midfield was kind of lackluster. Barella, I didn't really notice. Didn't him notice him. Like, no. and I think there was just a few a few players that went missing. I think at the moment Milan have got a kind of mental thing over Inter mm. at the moment. Um, they definitely seem to be more cohesive, more of a team. And that left hand side, Leao and Teo, is just not many teams are going to be able to no. deal with them. I think in the Champions League, that's going to cause every team problems because Leao, yeah. like, if he can get consistent, he could be a proper problem. Like, I, I don't know. Did, did they stand out to you, Adam, during the game? 
I mean, they definitely did. But I was going to say, Tio Hernandez, he, there was a moment where he could have been sent off for a second oh, yeah. yellow card. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was yeah. very lucky. And that's why I think until he cuts that out of his game, he's mm-hmm. always going to be one of those where he's a risk as a signing. And yeah, that's probably yeah, why yeah. he hasn't landed anywhere else at this mm-hmm. moment in time. But yeah, Liao, I'm surprised he didn't actually move in the summer. But, mm. you know, this is Serie A's game at the moment because, you know, the fact is, if, as long as he stays to the core and he's a bit more consistent, that's the problem for that's Liao. The thing he he's needs, just yeah. not consistent enough. And until he gets that into his game, then I think there'll be more suitors for him. But yeah, the potential. Is and there. you have to remember, he's still only, what, 20? 22, 23, 23, I think it is. He's so young, so young. But yeah. yeah, his third goal just alone is an absolute delight. And he's he's got that in his locker. Incredible, mm. incredible performance from him. Great performance from Milan. A great advert for Serie A. Hopefully Inter win it next time. But I think we're seeing in Serie A this year that everyone can beat everyone. And I think it's going to be an exciting, exciting Scudetto race because we're going to move on to, we slagged them off and we said maybe Lazio are the team that we should be looking out for and Napoli are struggling. So guess what happens? Lazio won, Napoli (laughs) too. All of a sudden, we've got egg all over our face. Are Lazio the definition of inconsistent? I cannot predict a single thing they do. Last like anybody, season, definitely. I... Definitely last season. This season, I thought they turned the cover and they were actually going to start showing us the potential, especially as you think about it, Lazio moved on a number of players. So it wasn't mm-hmm. just like one or two. They moved on a number of players. But in this match, to be fair, it was all about Kvara, wasn't it? Kvara's back and that goal, just what the move play. as well. He had a number of moves. He was just insane. Like, again, Napoli just bring back to remind us why they should be considered for this title race as well, to be fair. I mean, they have their moments. Hopefully, they're a bit more consistent than last season. But, yeah, again, you can't write anyone off in this league at this early stage. And it seems like if you look at the table right now, we've got Atalanta, who are now top of the table um, after their win against Monza, we'll talk about, I'm sure. Um, But, yeah. Just generally, yeah. I mean, it's incredible how this is all panning out because no one seems to be getting that kind of run together at the moment. It doesn't matter who you're facing. You could easily lose against them, should I say. so? Yeah. And this is, yeah, this is what we've been looking for in Serie A. For after the just dominance and dominance and dominance of Juve, we finally got to a point where there's so many teams that are at a similar yeah. level that it's just, I'm, I'm loving Serie A at the moment, but we have to go for a Cavada loving again. In my notes, it just says, don't let him cut inside or outside. Don't let him do anything. He just, <laughs> yeah. You don't know what he's going to do. It's stupid. insane. He, he's both-footed, from what I can tell. He has no yeah. preference from left foot or right foot. He's the, the, was it the before the goal or before one of his many shots where he did a like kind of roulette and went round, Pirouette, everybody took yeah. a shot? Like He hit the crossbar. He was just absolutely everywhere. I'm in love with this guy. I think Napoli have honestly, like if Ericsson could be the signing of the season in the Premier League, that guy is going to be the signing of the season. So yeah, if he continues like this. Mm. Um, yeah, Lazio, I just can never predict what they're going to do. Every time I seem to get it wrong, I never put them on my accumulator. So I'm like, oh, they're definitely going to lose that. And then they win 4-0. And you're like, okay, right. They're just here to annoy me. Um, but yeah, um, thoughts on Cavara, Lazio, Lazio or Napoli, Andy? I mean, Cavado, I've not seen as much as obviously of you guys, but he's one of those where you just wonder how he slipped under the radar of 
mm-hmm. so many, yeah. so yeah. many clubs because you look at the tributes that he's got and what he could bring to a game. You're thinking, well, any team in uh, any pick, take your pick out of any of the top teams in um, Germany, you know, Spain, England. You think they could do mm. with somebody like that, and it wouldn't have cost an arm and a leg before he came over. Yeah, I'm not sure he, how much he did cost actually. It was, it was like. A- 50 i had in my head yeah like, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a lot it was about 10 to 15 million but yeah there that was not a lot in it absolutely because i think honestly he walked into most teams in current form right in current form he walks into most teams and he's like one of the best wingers on form Genuinely, in the world yeah. at the moment he's he's unbelievable so you're right i do wonder what it was about him that people didn't want to take a risk on him for but napoli took that risk and yeah. it's definitely definitely paying off they they could still do something this year. They could still yeah. do something this year. I'm Absolutely. excited about them. And the few Napoli supporting friends I have are already getting Cavada tattoos on their arms. Like <laughs> they are, they are in like 10. I, did, I just looked up the fee, uh, whether it's reliable or not, but um, it totals, it totals up for roughly about 9 million pounds. Uh, yeah. from it's it's I mean, that's, that, that's fuck all in today's How money, much isn't Morgan it? Gibbs White again? <laughs> 42, 42. <laughs> 42.5. Oh, man. I mean, it's just oh, levels, isn't it? That is rough. But we need to move on to the next game in Serie A. And this is a team that we did talk about last episode. And it we is. did say you should be keeping an eye on. And it is, of course, Udinese, their stadium, absolutely rocking as they humbled Mourinho 4-0. And I have to say, before I let you go off, Adam, I am absolutely gutted that Spurs have signed Destiny a dodgy. I'm <laughs> yeah. absolutely gutted. Every time I watch him, I'm more convinced that this guy's going to be one of the best wingbacks in the world. I'm just... Yeah. Him under Conte is going to be a terrifying, terrifying prospect. But Adam, what did you make of Udinese and what did you make of Roma? They, they just looks like they were continuing the same form that they've been kind of... I suppose, showing in the last few mm-hmm. games because obviously they did lose to AC Milan in the opening day of the season. And since then, they've gone on an unbeaten run. To yeah. find themselves now in that top half is remarkable, I think, to be yeah, fair. When yeah. you look at the quality they've got in their squad, the depth, they are doing a hell of a job right now. Um, like I say, Delafeo again, incredible match. I know he didn't have too much of a hand in any of the goals, so to speak, but that team just seems to be working for each other. They, yeah. I mean, Adoji, I mean, he seems to be just a different caliber of player. Yeah, and yeah. I'm surprised there was not a lot more teams in for him, to be fair. I mean, we talked about Man City, for example, and the fact that they were looking for a left back. Mm-hmm. He was there. there he's he was, right there. You know, he's he right just there. there yeah, yeah. But for whatever reason, didn't happen. Word on the Roma, though, um, terrible performance. I mean, they just seemed really shell shocks. Um, car yeah, drop. Yeah. I mean, he was terrible. We knew that before kickoff. Um, again, letting in. <laughs> He's got a wreck in him. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, terrible. And Mourinho, he said himself, he, he didn't have any words for that performance. It was terrible performance. He knew it was going to happen. It's happened. He's rather have it now than it is later in the season when they're chasing for those points. So. Again, it's one of those that it's reset for Roma fans. I think they've got that realization of they're not that perfect right now. There is yeah. some like cracks in that squad. Let's see how yeah. it goes. But Udinese, incredible. 
Incredible. Yeah, I, I, I also put in my notes, ah, Roma have finally arrived. <laughs> like, this, is <laughs> yeah. the Ro- this is the Roma we know. This is the Roma that we're familiar with. They're absolutely shit in the bed at the worst possible moment. <laughs> um, yeah, defensively, absolutely atrocious. It seemed like they barely, I think Dybala had one shot where it kind of got close, yeah. but apart from that, they offered nothing. Udinese, it is... It's, it's funny looking through their squad because obviously watching the Premier League and Serie A, you're like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. He used to play for Watford. So there's like Pereira had a really good game yeah. who was good for half a season in the Premier League. Um, obviously De La Feu, like Beto success. came on. Yeah, yeah, Isaac success, right? So there's always those, kind of feels like a throwback team, but they're really, mm. really good. And their manager, um, Sotil, his son plays for Fiorentina. Mm. He did a great job in that with Ascoli. He got them from like, survived relegation, got them into the playoffs, he seems like a manager that you could probably be yeah. keeping an eye on, just like have they found another exciting manager, mainly just managed in the lower league, said he'd C, said he'd D, then said he'd B, got his big chance, mm. and he seems to be taking it. Udinese looking very, very good. Roma, just classic Roma. And yeah, we've had the question from AFC Finners. All right, mate, is Mourinho doing his third season in his second season <laughs> again? <laughs> we we shall find out. I feel like yeah. this squad love him a little bit more than any of the team yeah, that's definitely. been at, um, since. I feel like they're a bit more, they've got his back. But we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be, they'll be up there. Like we said, it's going to be a tight season this season. Mm. Finally, super quickly, before we preview the Champions League, we have to talk about them. The game was terrible. They had one shot after they scored. It's Juventus. <laughs> they, drew, they drew one all with Fiorentina. They did nothing. Milik scored again, so that's good. He did, um, yeah. That's, that's, that's great to see. But they did nothing after that, and Fiorentina absolutely yeah. battered them. Uh, what do we think of Juve and Fiorentina? Anybody have got nothing to say about this game? Apart from I, I would terrible. just say my uh, few pieces on this. Uh, Vlaovic, surprised to see him on the bench for this one. Didn't yeah. even come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was surprising. So whether he didn't fancy it, I don't know. Mm. Interesting, though, I, I saw the memes after the match where it said, you've never seen a top-flight manager like Allegri cheer on a draw more so than this man i mean it was incredible like even juventus fans have no words for their performance their team they absolutely hate it right now i mean we talked to alfredo a few weeks ago and there seems to be some kind of sense of optimism now it's all drained it seems to have gone by the wayside and the longer this continues i mean i've said it i think if they're not in the top four by december i can see him being you know, sats yeah, um, and the, you know, the, the Champions credit, League performances as well. Let's see. Yeah, but. I think the credit in the bank is running out rapidly from those Scudetto and Champions League final appearances. The credit is running out. It's just so dour. It's so unambitious. It's so like. Yeah. It feels like, you know, when people said that like Moyes United was too big for him, he was driving a Ferrari like a Fiat. It kind of feels like <laughs> Allegri is kind of. That similar, just it, it just dare to be exciting with this team. You've got some very exciting players there. Mm. You've got a, a front line that can cause a lot of problems. Like it could be so much nicer, and you're just making it terrible. Um, I think you're right. We will see him go sooner or later. Um, yeah. Who they go for, who knows? But I think yeah, if it's not if they're not in a title race by Christmas, then yeah, I think he will be gone and we'll be waving him off. I think nobody will be <laughs> particularly sad to see him go. Um, but that is a Serie A review for this week. I think we're done. We need to go to, and I don't know if I made a banner, so I might. Oh, I have. No, it's preview. <laughs> preview. There we go. Good. There Look go. how prepared we are. Champions League <laughs> preview. So, um, Andy, I'm going to go with you first. A 
a game that stands out to you that you're excited about for this Champions League week? I mean, I'm not that excited for the Champions League because we're not in it. But nah, I'm joking. It's not, uh, it's, it's not the proper quiz. It's not the proper quiz. The Europa League is where the funds are. Yeah, that's see, that's a working man's Champions League, <laughs> yeah. and that's what it's going to be called for as long as Arsenal and United are in it. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it's a hipsters Champions League. You exactly. know, the, champ, the real Champions League is just too mainstream. It's not that cool. Uh, but. Uh, so optimism aside, I think um, I think Celtic versus Real Madrid would be one hell of an atmosphere. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, Real Madrid always a little bit. They can be slow starters sometimes, especially in European campaigns. Mm. You know, if you think if you throw back to uh, previous campaign where they lost to like uh, FC Sheriff, um, you know they do. And over the years, they have like had the odd group stage game where they've um, not quite been at the races. Usually, the first couple of games in. So I think that could be. Potentially where a shock is to the card. I could also be wrong and Celtic get smashed 6 0. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah that could see. also definitely, definitely happen. Exactly. Real Madrid have won all four of their games so far this season. Mm. So they're coming into it in pretty hot form. Celtic yeah. straight off a big derby win. And we've seen them beat Barcelona at Celtic Park before, despite definitely not deserving it. So maybe we can see something. I think that's like a really romantic game that will definitely be worth yeah, it. Into, right? yeah, yeah. But I think this could, I think to be honest this there's going to be a lot of absolute poundings like if it goes as it is like it's not really any blockbuster games we've got Chelsea versus Dino Zagreb mm-hmm. that's going to be that could get a bit messy uh Dortmund and you know Copenhagen yeah, uh, yeah. you know I've I've I don't even know what they're like as a team to be perfectly honest but I've literally never seen them play <laughs> uh but you know I guess they must be okay because it's not it's rare that you see this Israeli team in the group stages of European competition. Um, you've also got well, it's well worth that you're looking for another dog to cheer on. You know, previous years we've had Sheriff. Well, this year you've got Victoria Pleasant, um, yeah. or Pleasant, however you pronounce yeah. it, in um, Czech Republic. Um, mm. So that. That they are be... fighting the good fight. Inter Bayern and yeah. Barcelona is a hell of a yes. group. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I felt sorry <laughs> for them when they got. Well, they got the it's like that. It's like that gif of um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're we're talking about. You don't have to say. It. <laughs> yeah, uh, we know the one. We know the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, Adam, any games in the Champions League this week that you are particularly looking forward to? I think definitely Inter versus Bayern because Bayern mm. aren't a team on form, despite what what everyone says about Bayern. I think they're a very interesting side, but. Nagelsmann hasn't got the harmony yet out of this kind of team yet. It seems mm-hmm. like they're still a team in progress. Another one to look out for is Napoli versus Liverpool because Kfara, I, I can see him unleashing some of his wonders on Liverpool's defence. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see that. Um, but the other one, just for your benefit, Rory, Tottenham versus Marseille because Ooh. we're talking about Arsenal B squad, aren't we, rather than Marseille. But uh, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see if any ex-Arsenal players or current Arsenal players, should I say, also score against Spurs. So uh, yeah, All we that, need is the say add Kolasinac to two-foot Harry Kane, do the world a favour, and then it's fine. <laughs> say add Kolasinac, take him out of the game. Come on, you can do it. You can become an Arsenal legend again. Um, also, Nuno Tavares is definitely going to score an absolute banger because that's what he does now, apparently. He's not in the Premier League. He <laughs> yeah, just scores every game for Marseille. Yeah. Um, love that guy. Love that guy. Yeah, I think the game I was going to talk about was Napoli against um, Liverpool. There's a bit of like 
a, a rivalry there as well. These are two teams that really don't like each other. When they've met each other in Europe in the past, there's been violence, mm. there's been a lot of antagonism. So I think that could be a game with a bit of an edge to it. Um, yeah. The only other one I'm going to mention is a bit of a hipster's choice because... Well, it's very on brand. Yeah. It's going to be RB Salzburg against Milan. Milan have been very, very good, but Salzburg mm. are definitely a bit of a banana skin. It'll be interesting to see yeah. how Milan handle that one. I think that could be a little bit yeah, of a tricky one. Cut to Milan 6, Salzburg nil. We shall see. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we're going to talk about where the cool kids hang out, and that is the Europa League. We were desperately trying to find some big games. Yeah, desperately. Um, so, Andy, I'm going to let you talk about how you feel about United uh, taking on Real Sociedad in two minutes because that's about the biggest game I could see. I th- yeah, I think it'd be a tough game, to be honest. Like, um, Spanish opposition have always done really well in the Europa League, mm-hmm. um, yeah. in the European general. Um, you know, look, it's a home game because United, in fact, most teams don't really get much change when they go over yeah. to Spain and play a game. So I think it's important that they, um, you know, they put out a strong team. And I think also as well, I think it's a good opportunity to get some games for the players that have not been playing at the moment. So I think you'll see a different goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, I think that's the sort of game where if you could play, you know, the six group stage games, plays a few cup games, a couple mm-hmm. of league games here and there, all of a sudden he's played a dozen solid games, he's back on form again. And because ultimately United are going to need a squad of about 20, you know, 20 to 24 players to all perform well. So I think, um, yeah, I think that's a good squad. I think United have got a strong enough squad to win it as well. Because when it get, I think if it gets to the point where they're in the knockout stages, they'll start putting out stronger squads. Yeah. Um, I, think- I kind of weirdly look forward to the group stage in the Europa League because I know I'm going to see the Arsenal youngsters. I'm like, okay, right. Yeah, and Let's that's part of the players are about, right? Let's see what we've got. We've got FC Zurich. Um, I'm hoping to see Fabio Vieira. I'm hoping to see Nketiah get a start. I'm hoping to see some of the younger players. It'll all be good fun as long as we get through the group stage. Then, like you said, we can take it seriously. And because we fell in love with this tournament so much at the end last season, I need to very quickly shout out the Conference League, where there are, I would say, maybe some more intriguing games in this competition than in Europa League. We've got, and we're going to very quickly go through ones that jump out to me, Villarreal taking on Lech Poznan. That could be a banger of a game. Um, Nice taking on Köln. Um, And the other one that jumped out to me was Hearts, Istanbul, Basak Shahir, West Ham, Stour, Bucharest. Some great games in it. Um, I'm going to throw to you, Adam, for some Lech Poznan view. What do we think? Uh, Lech Poznan didn't do so well in the qualifiers when they were trying for the, uh, I think it was the Europa League at the time. They haven't been great this season in the extra cluster, so I'm not expecting too much. Having said that, they beat my team in Poland, Visa Wuj, over the weekend. They beat them 2 0. Um, be very interesting to see what team actually decides to turn up because when they want to on the European nights, they can be a really difficult mm-hmm. team, to be fair. Um, but there's not a lot of hope in Poland. They just don't really? feel like they're equipped for it this time around, unfortunately. It feels like they haven't got a good harmony in that squad at the moment. Um, yeah, a lot of backgrounds, kind of staff being moved on as well. So their manager, for example, that got them to the first place in the Polish League, he immediately left. 
um, due to personal reasons. Oh, so wow. that didn't really create a good vibe at the club, unfortunately. So not feeling Lech Poznan has to be said, but it'd be great to see them do something. Um, mm -hmm. That said, it's I was like... going to pick up on a few of the other games. So we've got the likes of Nice versus Clone. I think that'll be a very interesting match, to be fair. Fiorentina as well. They've got a very interesting tie against RFS, who I don't have a clue where they're based, but yeah. They don't um, have a badge on Google. Uh, that, no. That says a lot. Yeah. But then you've got Hearts versus Istanbul Bakashir as well. Bakashir, yeah. whatever they're called. So that could be an interesting one. Um, but yeah, and so Nice, really we have to remind ourselves Ross Barkley has just signed yes, Nice, yeah. so they've got a properly mad squad of like Aaron Ramsey, uh, Ross Barkley. Who else did they mm. sign? Casper Schmeichel, right? They've got a bit of a Schmeichel, yeah. mad team building there, so definitely mm. worth and that worth keeping an eye on. And I feel one. like if you want really to go for really, really hipster choices, you've got our old Moldovan favorites, FC Sheriff against yes. Armonia, uh, which is for, you know from Cyprus. So, is that who Neil Lennon? And his um managing is that Ammonia? He's in Apple yeah, 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 no, that Apple? is, yeah, there it is. Um, Ammonia, yeah, FC, that is the one managed. There by we Lennon. go, we get to see an angry ginger man on the touchline. What makes <laughs> <one>? um, <laughs> it's quick, quick shout out, quick shout out, FC Vadouge as well. They currently are a Liechtenstein team playing in Swiss yeah. second division. And they qualified for the Europa Conference League for the very first time. How? Incredible achievement. It's a yeah, fantastic story. Um, read into it if you haven't already done so. I think it's on The Athletic as well. Mm -hmm. um, incredible story. But yeah, first time they've actually qualified for European competition. And when you look at their squads, they haven't got household names or any no. experience play. So yeah, it's incredible achievement when you consider. It's going to be great. Yeah, into. it's going to be great, great to watch them and see how they do. So guys, we kind of run out of time. There was one topic we wanted to talk about. And I'm just really very quickly going to say, if you've not heard the name Stansfield this weekend signing for yes. um, signing for Exeter on loan from Fulham, then just search it out. This story, oh man, feels it really, really, it really got me. Like, unfortunately, my mum passed away from cancer, and as I saw this video, I honestly had a tear rolling down my eye. Just a beautiful, beautiful story of his mm. dad died whilst died playing cancer, for Exeter. Yeah. They retired his number nine shirt. He's now returned to Exeter and taken on the number nine shirt. And it's just a beautiful story. Like, guys, we were all talking about it. Like, it's just incredible, right? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful kind of story. When you, I was lucky enough to see Adam Stansfield play for the mm -hmm. likes of Yeovil Town, for example, before he actually turned up at Exeter. But they revere him. He's an absolute god. They've got a stand named after him. You know, the yeah. fact that he came back. I mean, it was only a few weeks ago, Jay Stansfield was actually playing against Liverpool for Fulham. <laughs> like, yeah. the fact that he's on loan at Exeter is yeah. like amazing. So, yeah, lots of love to the Stansfield family. Yeah, that was exactly. Yeah, the super, super proud, happy moment in football that we should all mm. kind of, the things we fell in love with the game for. So I think, guys, on that lovely note, I think we're going to call it a day and we will see you on Thursday. As always, um, follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod, on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod, nailed it. Um, Join us on LinkedIn um, and tell your friends. Hit the like button, subscribe, all that stuff. Guys, any final words before we go? No, absolutely enjoyed it. Thank you, Rory, and thank you to everyone in the comments as well. Yeah, beautiful. it's been a pleasure. See you all next week. It was beautiful to have you guys. We'll see you Thursday, Friday, Friday. We'll see you Friday morning. Friday. Nice one. Bye, guys. Bye.